and the crowd went berserk. A bunch of beer-swilling dykes. <gasps> We're doing AFLW next year. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we gather today, the Noongar Wadandi Mort. We pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Scratch the surface and everyone has a story. Welcome, Kaya, to the Wisdom of Women. Our guest today is a football powerhouse creating the women's AFL as we know it. Mm, yeah. Hi, Jan. Hi, how are you? Good. <laughs> But we're going to start our chat today with the girl who was told she couldn't play football. Yeah, welcome. <laughs> welcome. Now, it's Coops. You don't mind Coops? No. That's oh, lovely. Thank you do. for coming today. Now, you can't it's tell girls that anymore, that they can't play footy. No, thank goodness. <laughs> um, yes, and it was quite ironic because I was involved in footy from a very young age, just following my dad around everywhere because I loved him. And then I fell in love with the code. Yeah. But um, it's ironic because we lived in the goldfields for about seven years and the very first women's league team ever in Australia was in the goldfields. Oh, that's so brilliant. The, yep, the four men's teams created four women's teams. Oh. And I didn't know this until about 2015 when Brunette Leckich, who would be another good woman first to introduce, she's fabulous. Um, she was delving into the history and realised that WA held the history of women's football. So we not only had the first women's league in 1921, we also had the first ever women's game in 1915. Oh, my God. That's yes. astounding when you think how the whole focus is very much Victorian-based with how yes. footy or... Funny you know, about that. Well, yes, it is. It is. So I proudly pointed out gently several times that when they were trying to promote the Carlton versus Collingwood women's game somewhere around the 1920s, to explain to them that actually Foy and Gibson retail and warehouse women, when the men were off at war, they uh, decided to keep the game going because they all loved it back then too. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not like it's a new thing. No. So they donned on their silk stockings, their brogues, their imagine. dresses down to their um, ankles. In those days, if you um, you kicked over the mark, which was throwing your hat on the ground, where you mark the ball and then walking back from your little right. peak cap, like a peaky blinders yeah, style yeah. hat. <laughs> so the women had these kind of puffy things that looked like um, shower caps, really, yeah. but they were made out of fabric and they'd throw them on the ground and then go back and have their kick. So can you imagine how <laughs> encumbered they were by stockings, oh, brogues, yeah. skirts that billowed everywhere. Yeah, it's and absurd, they still, really. Yeah, but How they played the game. game. Oh, well, I don't know either. And there's Amazing. no vision of that, of course, oh. is there? So there's only stills of them standing proudly in all their oh. fine fare. So it's quite ironic that women's football started in WA. Yeah. I loved the code and mm. I never had a chance to play it. Yeah. So, so anyway. your family itself, though, had a lot of football going on. Yeah. So your dad has got some great history. Yeah, so he's a Hall of Famer in um, the West Australian Football League and he's a legend. No, he's not. He's more than that now. He just got made an immortal at oh, Swan Districts. I wish he was immortal, but, you know, he's going to yeah. cark it eventually. But, um, Bless him. Yeah, he, he, the, his football club, Swan Districts, who he still loves and watches home games yeah. and, you know, he knows all the players, the coaches, they, they all seem to love him. He's got half a grandstand named after him oh, down really there. Cool. Um, yeah, so he's an immortal at the club. So, yes, the you could never avoid it in our family. We 
him, you know, being so immersed. But also my mum needs to have a mention too because she was always in the background but really she was shoulder to shoulder with him through mm. his football yeah. journey and supported whatever he did um, without complaints. So, oh, God, that's yeah. amazing. I suppose you're right, as much as uh, the male football side of things have been so success successful, there's a lot of women behind it. Yeah, well, exactly, though, um, exactly. And the fans. same with the um, development of the AFLW and any part of women's and girls' mm. football pathways, mm. there's a whole bunch of fabulous men with us on that yeah. journey as well. And, yeah. you know, we couldn't have achieved anything without uh, those who were involved in the football network um, being our messengers and our yeah. passionate drivers as well. Yeah, okay, sorry. So so your husband comes to you one day. <laughs> I love this story. Tell this Did story. Did I tell you that story? Yeah. Oh, Talk about how I this I could have poked evolved. his eyes out with a spoon, like oh. truly. He knew that I was passionate about football. It was one of the things that we love about each other is that we can talk footy ad nauseum and not get bored witless with each other. <laughs> We're a bit tragic. So he's working in the football industry. So he comes home one day and goes, oh, I'm off to the Women's League Grand Final. I don't suppose you'd like to come and watch it. And I went, why would I want to do that? Because I want to be playing in it, you idiot. Like, you know, why have you taken so long to tell me this piece of information? Because if you'd told me maybe four or five years before, I probably would have had a crack because I was still in my late 20s, Mm. quite athletic, blah, blah, blah. I would have loved to have had a go. But, you know, by now my body had fallen apart. I was early 30s or whatever. And I thought, no, I can't tackle the way I'd like to. I can't receive a tackle the way I would be given it. So I said, no, I'm not going to watch. Oh. <laughs> I've done my heels in. Damn you. So you've gone from being told, you know, or realising as a girl, yeah. I, can't, I can't play footy. So then you've just gotten on with life yeah. and you got married, yeah. you had children, but you were quite an elite sports person yourself though as well. Well, I was a state player in, in a few sports and I was... Um, Only know. a few sports. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh because... <laughs> Oh, my God. Oh, no, that's – sorry, that sounds a bit – No, that's amazing. Um, arrogant, really. But no, no. It was just simply because, I, in a way, I followed um, people that I enjoyed the company of, oh. not necessarily even the code. You know, like, to be perfectly honest, netball and hockey were about the only two sports on offer in my gen, and my mm. mum was mortified because she was a good hockey player. She um, was born and bred in Manjimup and was actually asked to go to Perth to do a state squad. But, you know, back in those days – Nobody took their kid to Perth for yeah. sport, and quite oh. frankly, they shouldn't be doing it now. But that's another that's another, mm. that's another side yeah. subject, yeah. isn't it? Don't yeah. even get me started. Yeah. No, or nor me, being a country girl um, and sort of knowing. Anyway, so I chose netball because that's where my mates yeah. were, mm. and I, to be perfectly frank, I I only played it because of my mates. It wasn't like it was a sport that I was particularly enamoured with because. I've been brought up with footy with mm. my brothers and their mates in the backyard, with my relatives yeah. playing kick to kick and king of the pack and stuff. So wow. I liked the argy-bargy a bit, yeah. you know. But you couldn't do that in netball. And every oh, time no. I do, it's like, oh, penalty no pass. And it's like, did, oh, really? So the, the whistle was blown on you a bit then, oh, was it, well, Coops? Yeah, no? it was. But, but I learnt to do other things to intimidate my oppo, like tread on their feet when they weren't, you know, the umpires weren't looking at me or hold their, yeah. their oh. people, like trade oh, secrets. Yeah, um, right. And then I played basketball, which allowed you a little bit more physicality without necessarily getting yeah. beeped every time you did it. So that was okay. But, again, that was because of friends. And then friends were playing volleyball. Oh. And so it's like, well, I'll have a crack at volleyball. But, like, that happened at about the age of 29 or something. Yeah. Um, 
and that was definitely non-contact. You know, got a net yeah. between you and the oppo. So all you can you do is use your mouth a bit yeah. to get a bit mouthy, and you know. Um, <laughs> and cricket, that. I played cricket in the backyard with my fam and my brothers. So um, and their mates. So I was walking past um, the cricket nets one day at at uni, and there were some girls, and I went, "Whoa!" So I went over, and I did actually know a couple of the girls because they were studying phys ed at secondary teachers college. And um, they said, do you want to have a bowl? And I went, God, I'd love to. Oh, nice. And so then I played cricket. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like I went to a code because I was yeah. necessarily passionate because about it. Because the one you were really passionate about, you couldn't play. I couldn't play. I still oh. didn't think I could play it. So, And I, I remember at a youth girls forum once when I was explaining, um, you know, the history of women's football and, and what it means to me to be able to help provide the opportunities for their gen. Mm. And in Q&A, one girl sticks up her hand and goes, um, so, Jan, why didn't you start your own league? And I thought, touche, you've got me there. Why didn't I do that? Because all the women that did do that yeah. are the women who should get the kudos and be here sitting here now because I was virtually doing it because it was my job. Yes, yeah. I put my hand up to do the job. Oh, I see what you're saying. And yeah. I did, I think but I did the you, job well. You, you still but did it. they did it without any yeah. support from the industry yeah. Yeah. or the community. So they're the ones that deserve wow. the pats on the back and the kudos. And yeah. when that girl said it to me, I went, well, yeah. Fuck, why didn't I? It never mm. popped into my head that it was a possibility. Isn't that funny? So sorry so, about that, everybody. So. <laughs> <laughs> you got there. You got there. You recognised it now, yeah. so that is good. Wow. So at what point then did you start with that official role or, or, or scenario? Or yeah, actively? well, it was, it was basically because um, – I knew because my husband worked in footy and I knew a couple of fellows working in footy and they reached out to me because they heard that in the small country primary school I was teaching in, we were doing some good things in literacy. So I see nothing to do with football, but it was actually football that was helping keep the kids in the classroom, get them off the grass at recess and get them back in. And um, and I'd gone from health and phys ed to literacy because my body was definitely falling apart in those years. And it's like, I can't do. I was walking virtually half marathons every day in phys ed and I've got a gimpy leg. So it was like, yeah, that's a lot, I can't keep on my feet. And I said to the, my, my principal, no, I'm out of here. And she said, oh, what if you became a literacy support teacher? I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, because I've got such a good command of the English language. You know? But anyway, I, I um, was a support teacher and the practitioners I was with at this primary school were sensational. And I said, look, I can kick the footy with the kids. What if I get them back into the classroom and we try and cajole them by saying, well, if you come back to the classroom, we'll go out and kick the footy a bit earlier, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so we started with AFL, and it was astonishing how many of them knew the names of footballers and spelt them perfectly correctly. And then we could use the um, phonetics and the phonics and things from that to then steer them towards where we needed to steer them to. And it was also bleeding obvious after a while for the practitioners that why were they teaching polar bears mm. in country WA or yeah. pirates or the themes that they were working on? Why didn't they start with a theme that the kids loved yeah. and enjoyed and then take them yeah. to, if you needed yeah. to, polar bears or whatever but you're else. you're right. So, you need to find that hook and that engagement. Yeah. That's and that's fantastic. what we did. And it got better. Some of the teachers were 
the kids would say, do we have to sit on the chair, missus? And we'd go, no, of course not. You want to sit on the floor? Let's sit on the floor. Let's lay on our bellies or mm. whatever and mm. make it a safe environment. And so we got so much engagement out of them. Um, and the Football Commission at that stage, a fellow called Colin West, who lives in Bustleton now, um, he was the driver behind the AFL School Ambassadors Program because they wanted to get AFL back into the schools but through um, cross-curricular activities, not just on the grass and in phys ed. So he drove that program from WA and then across Australia and he heard about what we were doing. Um, and so he knew that my husband and I and the family were coming back to Perth and he said, well, can I get you to do some of that, those things with the teachers, the ambassadors? And by the way, we're thinking of developing the women and girls pathway and we know that you're passionate about footy because mm. I went to high school with Westy. So, um, and I went, oh, my God, that would be my dream job because like it hit me like a cricket bat really over the head is I didn't have the opportunities. I wasn't clever enough to start up my a league, but wouldn't it be great to be able to give back to the gens behind me? Because mm. I knew there'd be heaps of girls and heaps of women who just didn't like being in the kiosk, didn't want to cut up oranges, didn't want to be the launderer, oh, yeah. who wanted to coach, who wanted to play or whatever else. So I went, that would be fantastic, thank you. And so after a, a year of that, um, I went to a national carnival um, with our state girls and just to see what that was like and it wasn't anything like being a state volleyball or a state cricketer it wasn't that professionally run and that's because volunteers were running it right. and it's like you're you're in football why isn't the football industry yeah. running these things well because as you you've mentioned before as well men get paid yeah those positions yeah. are paid positions it's yeah. a professional structure, whereas yeah. for women it was, oh, well, go and volunteer a few roles yeah. and off you go. Yeah, and bake a thousand lamingtons yeah. as your fundraiser and pay yeah. for your own way and take leave without pay. Yeah. When I was teaching and in, in the um, state volleyball team, thank goodness I had a head of department was miles ahead of his time, that there was men in our phys ed department who were state in sports and they would get leave with pay from the education department. When I got into a state team, I had to take leave without wow. pay, plus pay for everything to get to oh. represent my state, like the inequities. And that was yeah. back in the um, 80s. Yeah. So it's not that, that long, long ago. ago. No. And so my head of department, bless him, um, John Suckling, living in Pemberton, um, father of three daughters, went, well, that's a crock. We'll cover you. Oh, I love him. <laughs> And there'll be yeah, no questions asked from the rest of the department. The rest of the department, were, we had 11 in our department yeah. at the time in phys ed. And they all went, yep, that's inequitable, yeah. ridiculous, off you go um, to represent your state. And then I was um, volunteering at Swan District where Dad was, you know, president. And the coach at the time was John Todd. And I was just whinging out loud to him about the inequities. Mm. And he got a bucket and said to the players, this is ridiculous. She puts her time in here. She's representing a state and she's got to pay for everything. Donate now. No way. And then he took the bucket upstairs to the members after the game because yeah. in those days there'd be thousands yeah. of people back because there was no AFL. That, yeah. The waffle was the top tier. Mm. And he said to the members over the loud, you know, over the microphone to them all, so our trainer has to pay for everything. It's BS and mm. you're all donating. 
and I he, there was so much money in the bucket it was a bit embarrassing really not only did they um well and because secretly I now wasn't going to miss my wage um I could right. pay for me and everything that had to be paid for plus somebody else. Oh, how brilliant. So, oh so my you God. need men behind uh, that, yes. though, advocating, yeah. don't you? Yeah. Because yeah. for women otherwise on their own trying to struggle through that, it's, it's mm. banging no. your head against a brick wall. Absolutely. And mm. and they have more of a network than us as well. Mm. But it really helped that I grew up around Swan Districts because mm. I knew John Todd really well because, yeah. you know, he'd been to the house. Yeah. So I could ask favours of him. Yeah. Um, I knew uh, the network through that my husband worked with mm. so I could ask favors of them when I first started so yeah and because they're all good men and many of them had daughters they they realized they, they didn't not develop the pathway because they didn't think it was the right thing to do they actually genuinely didn't understand the passion mm. that we have for the game mm. and that that's those were things that we wanted to do so yeah. as soon as it got pointed out to them you know, like Colin West was a classic. I remember sitting there one yeah. day and I thought, his eyes are glazing over here. Uh-huh. And he's going, I know it's the right thing to do. I just don't get why we haven't done it before. But yeah, that's why we employed you, Jan. Off you go. <laughs> you know, yeah. like. <laughs> yeah. So, and and a lot of men said that, but then there was the other, the mm. darker side. Mm. And I find this interesting because we do have to go there. What was some of the commentary? What what was some of the, you think, the misinformation? And, I mean, there must have been some some pretty brutal commentary coming from men who were just dead set against women pulling on the boots. Well, there was so so much of it. There was, you know, absolutely disparaging things like why should we put, inject funding into the women's state team mm-hmm. when they're bun- a bunch of beer-swilling dykes? Yeah. <gasps> and, yeah. and to be perfectly frank, yeah. that comment in particular was one that still... Mm-hmm. sticks here because I actually didn't know how to respond. No. I was so shocked by mm. the brutality of it yeah. and the disrespect of it. And it happened a lot at the beginning. And I remember lots of times sitting quietly going, uh, doing what ifs, because we had to do what if this happens, how will we overcome that? So we had to do that for kind of risk management mm. and just yeah. planning anyway. So I started doing what if somebody says that to me again, how will I respond? Yeah. Mm. What if I get that said to me, how will I respond? So instead of being mute and shocked and wanting to burst into tears, yeah. um, and I'm a pretty tough cookie so I don't burst into tears very easily, mm. but if you hit me with something like that, yeah, it's I, I, I truly stumbled and didn't know how to respond and I think I actually left the room. I don't think I said anything. I don't even remember. But eventually I did go back to that person and said, well, you don't understand that they, women have kids. And the AFL has done research because most of what I had to do was have evidence-based decision, um, you know, evidence in front of me. It Mm. couldn't just be my opinion to say, do you know how many women are passionate about this code? I had to have the evidence. So all the time we were doing focus groups and and getting quantitative Mm. or qualitative evidence and um, enticing universities to get PhD students to do it for us or just sitting in front of groups of people anyway so we could slap the evidence on yeah. the table. Facts talk. Yeah. So the mm. AFL, bless them, had already done some research before my time that, that found out the major decision-making uh, maker in the family of kids when they're primary school age mm-hmm. are mums. Yeah. Not dads, mums. Because dads were in that day were still working. Mm-hmm. 
mums tended to be the caregivers and take them to the sport. So if mums had a lovely experience at the Code, they were more likely to take their kids there, etc. So the AFL had that research. So I went, so these beer-swilling dykes are probably going to have kids. Mm. And if you don't give them a good experience, they ain't going to take the next generation Mm. of kids to AFL. And at Mm. that stage too, soccer was starting to make inroads. And immigration was starting to show that Sudanese were coming in. What code did they play? They played soccer. But do you know how athletic they are mm-hmm. and how fabulous they are? They need to play AFL. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like yeah. so. So we had all these things, and globally, so lucky. There was lots of global shifting around women's sport. Mm. So again, any part of my research was saying, "Look at U.S. women's soccer. Yeah. Look at." This one, look at that yeah. one. Look at the research Canada's doing mm. around women and girls' pathways. So I virtually, I could have done a PhD really, but I didn't have time for that. But I did <laughs> lots of reading. I, I couldn't do the writing <laughs> and I just had to verbalise the evidence to the people that were the naysayers and stuff. So that's basically one of the pieces of evidence that I used a lot to say to the men, you know, women aren't given a good opportunity mm. then and a good experience, mm. they're not going to take their kids to AFL. Auskick will yeah. die. Yes. So you're right. And amidst the competition and, and soccer as well. I mean, soccer is a less of a physical yeah. sport as far and it's as a great... things like injuries yeah. and so forth. Well, no, not no, necessarily or, injuries. Oh, well. Just as many concussions because they head the ball oh, a lot. Just go. as many ACLs because mm-hmm. it's a very agile sport. So no injuries. See, that's no. interesting, isn't yeah. it? Because yeah. that is something that... I hear a lot of talk about when people try and make that decision between yep. kids going into no. AFL or soccer. What it is, it's because it's a, a round ball, it's a, a little le- it, it's predictable. Oh, it's okay. more predictable. Yeah. So yeah. it's a better progression. So, you know, like I, because I'm a phys edder, that's the essence of who I am, I believe in physical activity for the community. And so to me, soccer is a great little segue mm. for building those fundamental movement skills and then yeah. and please then play Auskick after that because <laughs> <laughs> we need you in our code to keep it going. What was some of the other commentary you'd hear oh. around women playing? You know, because I, oh. I know there was things said about women They're so women have breasts. They lack, so, yeah. You know, is that well, the, the chest one, and bless them, a lot of dads when I was first working would ring me up and say, what chest protector, protection can I give my daughter? And I'd say, what protect, um, chest protection are you giving your son? What do you mean? Well, he's got boobs too. He's got a chest. Mm-hmm. He's got nipples. Um, and I didn't have research for that at the time. I have now. But there's no evidence to show that a woman's chest is at risk by playing football. So, um, But there are some really super-duper sport bras around mm-hmm. and um, – and we just say, look, to compress the chest, give spend some dough mm. on a really good sports bra. Yeah. And a mm. lot of our AFLW players actually wear two during a game just to keep if mm. they're bigger chested girls. Yeah, right. Not because of um, being hit by the ball or elbows or anything else, but the jiggling. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's and really, it doesn't matter what running activity we do, no. or the, not so much, you know, aircraft carrier me, but somebody else with a bigger <laughs> yeah. chest, yeah. yeah, it's the jiggling. It's an issue anyway. Yeah. Whatever. So you're if you doing. can compress the yeah. chest, yeah. you're yeah. cooking with gas, yeah, really, okay. to use your term. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, Love that. Yeah. Women lose their femininity. That oh, was that was another heard. one. Yeah, quite a bit, and of course, 
once I got better at speaking up against that, it's like, well, what's your definition of femininity? Because this is mine. Yeah. And it's actually got nothing to do with tackling, yeah. bumping, whatever. Yeah. It's got Picking everything to do. Around. No, it's got everything to do with the mindset mm. and the attitude and the mm. dreams and how you go about life. And, wow. you know, why is there this stereotype? The other one was why should we inject um, resources into women? Because if you're going to use the mum thing, they'll leave the code because they will become mums. And it's like, are you kidding me? Yeah, okay. Like, and I didn't have much evidence oh. then either, you know, not empirical, but I just had the, like, the Daisy Pierces of the world who had twins and has come back to be a premiership mm -hmm. AFLW yeah. captain. Thank mm -hmm. you very um, much. Dana Hooker, who as a single mum pushed for a collective bargaining and agreement that said, is there any chance, because this will benefit men as well, families per se, where we can actually have caregivers access so that we can train when we've got kids. Yeah, yeah. And bless him, my very first boss at um, AFL, David Matthews, is the CEO of GWS Giants. And one of the first things he did when he became CEO, and they didn't have an AFLW team back then, they were barely getting their men's team sorted, at their facility he decided to build a creche next door to it that his players and families could access oh, so dads could become the caregivers, yeah. not just the footballers yeah, well, and leave the caregiving to mum. Yeah, it's letting go. It. It, it is letting go of those traditional concepts around how yeah. care, you know, the caregivers yeah. were always the mums yeah. Yeah. and it's just Correct. not that case anymore. No, and so the GWS staff can access it. It's a community yeah. creche as well. So... Good work, David Matthews. Yeah. You know, like that's the sort of stuff that's changed. Well, and good work, you, because it sounds like you're going into these meetings and situations having to wield a sword to cut off all the misogyny that you oh. haven't thrown at you. Like, yeah. That's yeah. pretty full on. That's for huge. You. Um, and I learned to get um, to be like hand up the back of the messengers, basically, because I it, honestly, there was some days I'd sit there and I'd go, oh my God, they've all fallen asleep on me. <laughs> How do I? get them to listen to me you know do I jump on the table and throw my top off or it's like yeah. it was and, and I wasn't the only one if you were aboriginal same gender attracted and and working in football okay. you were a trifecta of yeah Everything it was worse was, it was worse yeah. for you at least I had a, I was you know hetero like why are we even talking about sexuality but that was one of the things too yes. like why are we talking about sexuality mm. like th that's an intimate thing you have no right to be yeah. asking me did i get any on the weekend it has no relevance to you no. going out onto a field and playing no playing no not at all can we just look at these people as um people, people and ath athletes you yeah. know yeah. um so yeah there was lots of meetings where i'd go in there and go oh my god and i was quite intimidated at first and then I thought what's the worst thing that can happen I can leave there going oh well, that was a waste of time but then I'll go to the next one so I learned if there if I knew fellas who were going to be in on the meeting I would try and get to those ones um first one-on-one mm -hmm. right. -on -one. and I learned that from my mentor Brian Cook he said just don't go in there and think that you're going to get the numbers just because you're sitting there with the evidence and your passion mm -hmm. and your blah 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 what you need to do is actually have coffee with other people that you think can can be your voice in yeah. the meeting and don't take it personally if they take over mm. and it becomes their idea. And I went, oh, no, well, it's never my idea. 
I've all I've always stolen ideas from Tasmania, Queensland. Yeah, right. You know, I'm just the, it's the end result, I'm the face. Though. That's exactly. basically. Yeah. And yes, I did have some ideas, but um, that wasn't the point. I didn't I didn't want to be the person that had the ideas. If somebody else voiced my idea, great. That's yeah. all it's I'm asking done. for. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so that's what I wow. got to do. So thank you, Brian Cook, for yeah. your help. So you're in building that. relationships, and, and and I guess people were seeing your point of view ideas or yeah. not they were getting to understand it because you say it so well mm. so yeah you've got your allies there but yeah. the other thing about the allies too was I would say things to some of them quietly afterwards going did you hear that comment that such and such made that you laughed at oh wow that's interesting and I went oh yeah but we were shocked for the whole lot mm. because that was their response yeah. was nervous mm. laughter yeah they didn't know what to say and I said, no, I get that because I could not respond to some of the comments I mm. got given at the beginning too. But at some point you can't do that. You have to call them out on mm. their poor behaviour. Yeah. yeah. You have to help us with that because if it's just us versus them all the time, we're going to walk away from the industry. So, um, and, and that's at a real pivotal point where you're trying to make fundamental changes to what is an ingrained system. Yeah. And, and, and you, you're yeah. trying to move it up to that, that yeah. next level. So it wasn't just tr- strategic stuff. It was mm. actually trying to get them to be respectful and, and, and not be an observer mm. to be actually active in saying, what did you say that for? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, and you don't have to do it publicly. Do it with him behind mm. closed doors so he can say, yeah. okay, it's... Yeah. But again, that's another tool. I'm sure it helps, doesn't it? Yeah, because because no one's going to like being dragged out and and publicly humiliated. No, or even though it was down. all right for me yeah. to be humiliated yeah. in front yeah. of them, you know. It but have, it so have that was well. that was some of the stuff that we all had to put up with. And the men who were employed as female development managers in their state or territory, they had similar as well. Yeah. So yeah. there was forums where they'd get. Um, comments made about you know trying to climb the ladder or you know like some blokes even once um there was a comment like oh we know what you're in this for you just want to get a cheap shag or you know things like that so, really no no but that's oh, kind God. of yeah, I know. Oh, I wasn't God. expecting that. No. no, that well, neither was well, I. It's very easy to go down to the pub on a Friday night if you want to get a shag. For <laughs> or, or nowadays, just go on Tinder or whatever yeah, it is. It. I don't and know, but swipe. you know, why do you make those comments yeah. publicly? So mm. that they were given a hard time too. So, mm-hmm. um, my colleagues in the AFL, I have to say though, I never heard any um, comments that were disparaging of any sort from any of my comment um, colleagues in the AFL, oh, that's not beautiful. once. Yeah. This was some state-based people, yeah. uh, volunteers, yeah, um, yeah uh, other mm. organisations, but mm. never my AFL colleagues. They were nothing but um, supportive, respectful. Yeah. That's, that's really good. To hear, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. As a professional organisation, yeah. that they yeah. were professional, yeah, exactly. and acknowledged that, yeah, there's something here. Yeah. So it's about 2010. Is that mm. right when things started to get really serious about the fact that there could be this competition? Um, yeah, mainly because, um, but again, there was a lot of volunteers in the room. We, um, we, uh, it was virtually like, look, we. We all originally, the, the main outcome was to build the numbers, but now we have to be a bit more 
robust in our vision. And we're all talking about, you know, the talent pathways coming along mm. nicely, but where's it all leading to? So we do have to set a vision. And I'd articulated to a journalist who was watching the first exhibition game, which was stunningly green versus gold. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like the tone of voice there. Yeah. Well, it wasn't. It, look, it was a step up from, I said to my um, my then boss, Dean Warren, who was fantastic at the AFL, Dean, we can't just give the All-Australian team a, a medal. They need a richer experience. We're more advanced now. So what can we do? Yeah. And he said, well, why don't we put on a, a this All-Australian squad? They play each other and it's a, um, a double header. Yeah, okay. The women are on. And then there's the men's AFL game. And then why don't we pick the All-Australian team from that? So from the National Carnival, awesome. we pick a squad of 46 women or something. We bring them into a camp. We um, pay for them for about three days leading up to them, to that. We put them in this game. And so that's what we did. But I would have liked to have had it. Um, it was Melbourne versus Collingwood in the men's game, mm. which ended up as a draw. Oh, I love cliffhanger. Our, yeah, our women's game ended up one point the diff. Like, so if you oh. paid your fourteen bucks at the MCG that day, you got this you got brilliant double header. Anyway, that nice. was Dean's idea, and we did it, and was highly successful. But I got, I was trying to get as many um, fabulous female role models there to sit in front of the girls, and I thought, yeah, right. what are some of the possibilities? And this a young woman I'd never met before, Samantha Lane, but I admired her journalism, and uh, she used to be on a a footy panel for Channel 10, and our family just loved it because there was like four or five blokes on the panel and her, and she was the one that yeah. challenged and was bullish. Yeah. And I thought, I have to meet this young woman. Love so it. selfishly I thought, well, ask her if she'll come to the camp and then I'll get to meet her. And we got on like a house on fire and now we're very dear friends. But she was only meant to be there for an hour. She'd never met women footballers before. And this was on a um, Thursday night, say, and the game was going to be on Saturday. And she sat in that room for like three hours fielding the questions of the girls once she'd done her presentation. Really? And she said, I have to come and watch this game on Saturday. And I went, yeah, why wouldn't you? So she, we sat together at the game at ground level inside the fence, sitting on these little cratey things. And I just kept pointing out the players and their backstories. She did a double-page colour spread in The Age, which is pretty big. How brilliant. A big deal. Yeah. Because yeah. when she talked to her boss, he went, no, we need to do a double spread. This is fabulous. These stories are goosebump material. And so the rest is history. She became an advocate, a messenger, a passionate driver, put stuff in The Age and now working for Channel 7 as a boundary writer, put stuff in there like... She's been a real driver. That's awesome cover for women's oh, football. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and especially in Victoria. And the other thing it did too, which was always another strategy, was to get the key decision makers to get to women's games so they yeah. could see the athleticism and the, the passion and, and understand and even bring them into the change rooms at the end before the girls were, you know, showering and stuff to actually meet some of them. Mm. So... Um, the CEO at the time, Andrew Demetrio, was in a, a function, um, but he was looking out, thank goodness, and he was gobsmacked about what he saw. And that was the first time he really took and paid yeah. attention to what was going on. And and I remember at the time too, I said to um, Sam, 
How many people do you reckon are in the G at the moment? Because, you know, the G's huge. Yeah. And she went, I actually think there's about 15,000 people in here. I went, really? Because, like, we gave it a bit of marketing and stuff, or the AFL gave it a bit of marketing to try and get them there, mm. which is pretty incredible when you think it's like green versus gold. Yeah. But we marketed it as it should have been, as this is the All-Australian squad from the Women's Nationals, and from this game we're going to pick the All-Australian. They'll be given their medals out on the G before the men's game, Melbourne versus Collingwood. So there was a fair swag of people in there. And I remember down the guts, um, Kiara Bowers, who is an AFLW competition fairest and best, and Chelsea Randall, who isn't, but probably would be if she wasn't so courageous and threw her body around so much. (laughs) Chelsea was running out of the midfield, um, bouncing the ball. Bowers was nowhere to be seen. And all of a sudden she's virtually done a dive and just grabbed Chelsea by the Guernsey and pulled her down and the crowd went berserk, you know, because it was mid-air, slow motion. This great specky play. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the crowd went absolutely radio rental. And from that point on, they were more involved in the game because I think for them it was a light bulb moment. Like when did we last see a male game Mm. with that much determination? And and these are girls who – green, gold, like yeah. truly it, it yeah. kind of means nothing but it did because they were playing on the MCG, yeah. a game that they absolutely adored mm. and given an opportunity in front of 15,000 people, like bring That's it on. Amazing. I'm just trying yeah. to imagine in my own mind how you would feel as a female stepping out like that to play. Yeah, well I balled a fair bit through it, particularly when I'm sitting with Sam and she's going, oh, my God, oh, my God, and mm. I'm going, don't be shocked. This is the norm. Mm. You know, like, yes, mm. these are the best 46 in the country currently, but this could be the norm. Yeah. This could be week after week. Yeah. And a lot of those girls um, ended up being able to play in AFLW. They hung in there long enough to see the first season because this we're talking this was 2010 uh, or 11, and so the first exhibition games were then 2013 onwards and then the first AFLW was 2017. So that's a fair swag in an athlete's life. Sure. Yeah. But they hung in there and so now a whole lot of them too. Like a Natalie Woods played in that game and now she's head coach. Yeah, right. You know, so they not only hung in there. So see all you naysayers mm. that thought, well, they're going to become mothers and they'll leave the code. Yeah. Well, they in haven't. Yep. And they're now head coaching and, they're, you know, like. Because you're right, it is more than just girls going out onto an oval mm. and playing football. Yeah. This just tra- transponds right through the entire industry yeah. itself, how yeah. football works. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So much more value. Yeah. Um, yeah. We just need a CEO now. So so <laughs> how how was it when the competition really launched off mm. in those early days as well? Because, you know, there's a lot of talk around audiences um, when you're talking about the game being played on TV. You yeah. know, there's, a, there's a lot to it, isn't there? There's a lot of yeah. politics behind it, sponsorship yeah. and so forth. Well, well, part of the rhetoric at the at the beginning around a national televised comp, because we didn't want to com- compromise on televised, we said if it's not televised, girls still can't be what they can't see. Yeah. So, no, it has to be televised. And if you can't do television rights to include AFLW, mm. there's not much point putting it on the park because the girls aren't idiots. They know mm. that they're, you know, not out there. It's not enough just to have regular games and no TV. No, it's still a discrimination to an extent. Correct, isn't it? Yeah. absolutely. Um, so that was an absolute given. But uh, yeah, and, and the television um, viewership 
has has increased every year. But um, I was at a luncheon the other day and Gillian McLaughlin was the keynote speaker and someone asked him that question about, well, you know, it's a bit of a financial impost on the industry, it's not making any money yet, blah, blah, blah. Well, no, it's not. But that's actually not the point because eventually it will, Mm. um, but you need to give it time. But what's actually happened is it's brought more people to AFL. Mm. So since the instigation of AFLW, he had statistics to show that the viewership at AFL level has increased. Wow. Both live and yep. television. Yep. Memberships have increased. Well, that's possibly because you top the AFLW on top of the AFL. And AFLW memberships at AFL level, at AFL clubs, aren't huge yet. But, you know, they will that's be. Yeah, absolutely. And part of our research of trying to, we didn't have a business model. So we went to national leagues around the world and there was only one that was not even making money then, it does now, was the WNBA. And at that stage, it was breaking even. Really? So we had to say to them, you need to be brave. You need to actually realise that it's not going to make money. Mm. The best we can hope for is breaking even Mm -hmm. and that's possibly not going to happen because there was US women's soccer their National League wasn't making money mm. and yet they were world champions in the World Cup, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, yeah. and they've got a 300 million population. So just be yeah. a bit brave, yeah. you know. We're brave every day. We yeah. talk to you about women and girls' pathways. So just buck the bullet and Gil did. Like, bless him. <laughs> he, um, I didn't even know he was announcing this. So there am I, head of female football development around Australia and my mate Sam Lane's at a media conference because there was going to be breaking news and Gil goes, so we're doing AFLW next year. And he didn't even tell me. It's like, (laughs) you're my boss. You didn't even tell me. So she rings me and goes, Coops, did you know? And I went, no. What's the announcement? And she goes, oh, AFLW starting next May. I went, what? (laughs) Are you kidding me? (laughs) Gillan, what are you thinking? And then five minutes later I went, no. He's been brave. Let's go for mm. it. Yeah. No, we're not ready, mm. but we'll get there. Yeah, you'll get there. And we there. did. We bumbled a yeah. bit at the beginning, but no one knows. <laughs> Hello. How <laughs> you do things. It's such a great that. yarn, isn't it, the way it's all unfolded? It's, it's yeah. organic that way. It was mm. like, yeah, come on then, let's do it. Okay. Yeah. And we had a bunch of girls who probably were ready to leave the code, mm. you know, really fine athletes. But what it did instead was it attracted all these cross-coders mm. who'd wanted to play the game before but – now, now we it had it gonna nationally. Stable. They went, yeah, well, we're, we're, n- we're not going from national basketball to second tier women's. We're footy, yeah, but we will go from national basketball to a national AFL, or mm. you know, mm. we will go from soccer or whatever else they came from. And then, of course, the Irish. We've got nearly a whole team of Irish that are <laughs> contracted. Oh, welcome too. the Irish. Yeah, Bless from them. the from the Gaelic. Yeah, football, yeah, 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 and they transitioned beautifully. Mm, mm. So yeah. So the first premiership, a sellout. Yeah, that was ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> Not expected. I'm gathering by what by what how you're responding. You no. Didn't think. Well, I was hopeful, but I've got to say that your self belief gets a bit smashed a little bit when when the major voice is. Not going to work, not going to work, you know. Like They wanted to put the first game of AFLW on Collingwood's training oval at Amy. And I don't know if you've seen it. It doesn't have a grandstand. Oh, It didn't have a scoreboard. No, no, I'm not kidding you. There's a scoreboard. It's like 
We did, and I said, look, in good faith leading into it, I'll do the 18s Sad. nationals there one day because we're doing the nationals back in Melbourne this year. And I said, I'll do the 18s nationals there one day and we'll work it out and see. And I said, it's, it's substandard. Mm. You cannot have a national league at a training mm. ground mm. that doesn't have an oval that at best would fit 4,000 people. Oh. And they went, yeah, but that's all that'll rock up, won't it? And I went, no. You, you're not reading the tea leaves correctly. Victoria itself will send every waking soul that ever has played football mm. to watch this. Yeah. So all the women that this has mm. gone past them, all the young girls who have been watching us develop this pathway, they'll all be there. But yeah. the other thing was was all the men wanted to be there too, mm. to support their daughters, mm partners, sisters, yep. whatever else. So I'm, I'm sitting out because I'm not very good at functions. I'm not – it's not my favourite part of football. I like to be out in the audience hearing the humour and the comments mm. and everything. So I'm standing out there with my boss at the time, Josh Vanderloo, that we convinced them to shift it and they went, well, I, we, I thought MCG was appropriate. They went icon. Okay, we'll do icon because that's got grandstands. I can cope with that. And we virtually – They'd um, opened up one side, which was behind us. So that was chockers with maybe three or 4,000 people in it. And then they started opening up the other side. And it was like a Mexican wave of people just coming in like that. I just remember going, Josh, how many does this stadium hold? And he said 25,000. And um, I went, we're going to get more than that. And Gil um, kind of got a bit... Because there was nearly 3,000 people outside the gate and we had to shut the gates. Oh, my God. No. There was no big screens for them to watch it from. Oh, no. Um, and he felt, I've let the troops down. So wow. he went out to the mm. crowd outside and went, I'm so sorry. We absolutely misread this big time and I'm so sorry. We cannot let you in. This is now an Oc health and safety issue. All I can say is go home or nick off to a bar and watch it on TV, you know, like. Wow. At least he was, you know, honest about the whole thing. Yeah, that's that's stepping up to it, isn't it? And And then, you know. Big stats for who was watching it on television as well. Yeah, huge, huge. And then um, one of the grand finals, uh, I'm thinking it was, I think I was actually the cup ambassador, so maybe 2018. Adelaide played Carlton in the grand final at Adelaide Oval because at this point we're still, whoever finishes on top gets the grand final. And Adelaide Oval did us proud too because, again, they opened up everything on one side um, and people just kept pouring in. So they had no catering on one side, no toilet rolls in the dunnies because they just weren't expecting anybody, no extra trains and public transport running. And and I'm sitting with... um, Samantha Moston, who was the first female AFL commissioner, and I'm going, Sam, this is going to be a sellout. And they did, same thing. They just kept coming into the stands, 53,000, the third largest crowd ever of anything at Adelaide Oval. No way. Of anything. So we're talking test oh cricket, God. AFL games, third largest crowd yeah, ever. Brilliant. And, and um, so that we were sitting there in tears going, oh, my God, we were expecting this. <laughs> and then we were in tears again because Erin Phillips did an ACL and oh. and I was in tears because the cart man, because when you do an ACL or any serious injury, you get um, there's a little golf cart yeah. with a stretcher on it. Yep. 
So he drove on to get her and then he did something I've never seen. He broke the rules actually. You're meant to take the cart to the nearest part of um, off the oval mm-hmm. and then drive around to the change yeah, rooms. Right. He drove straight down the middle and every girl, didn't matter whether Carlton or Adelaide Crows, came over to tap her or wish oh. her well. Oh, my God. Like, oh, moment. my God, man. Who taught oh who God. taught you this empathy to do wow. this? Yeah. Like, that's beautiful. That's a man. Yeah. yeah. The cart driver went, this isn't a historic moment here. This is not good. It's in the middle of a grand final. Erin's the fairest and best of the league. Here I'm coming through. I'm going through. I'm going to. And then to have all the other players, though, acknowledge mm. that moment as And well. a standing ovation from the crowd till yeah. he took her finally oh. down the race. Oh. It's like, oh, my God, my cup <laughs> is full. Love to talk to her <laughs> about what that must have. She has had so much going through her mind. Oh, absolutely. Injury, but then yep. to have all that aspect yep. as well. Yeah. Big moments. Yeah. yeah. Well, if we, get, if we manage to get an AFLW pre-season game down here, which we're mm-hmm. trying to work through the machinations, yeah. if we get Port Adelaide, we should let you know so you mm. girls could have a crack at interviewing Erin yeah. about her that journey. That would be fantastic. Yeah. So why do people con- continue to underestimate the women and mm. what yeah, they can I do agree. and what? Yeah, why? Come on. I know. So, so how long did it take for all the clubs to have a female team? Okay, so there was, uh, I think Geelong was kind of a bit weird. They came on in the second year on their yeah. own. So that would have made uh, seven. And then there was, uh, I think there was four, three the next year. Yep. So you had six to start, six seven to start. The then Geelong came the second year, then three the next after that because right, we were 2019. Yeah. Then um, the last two. No, what are we up to? My maths is useless. <laughs> Yeah, there was five years from so the last two to join were Port and Sydney Swans, and they were um, season six. They were brought on, so yeah, they okay. played season seven. Yeah, but season six and seven were in the same calendar year. So yeah, yeah all right, yeah, right, yeah. So not very. So long. that's not bad at all, is it? No, not really. Yeah, no, no. And that was only off the back of how successful the TV mm. viewership and the live audiences were. Yeah. So, Yep. So where do you see it going from here? Clearly bigger and better. What, what are well, you thinking? the skill level will keep going up. Mm, yeah. You know, it's gone up every year. It's it's astonishing what the girls can come up with. And it's also quite astonishing. You need to know the girls do a 12-week pre-season for a 10-week plus yeah. finals season. The men do a 14-week pre-season for a 24-week plus finals season mm. or whatever it is. So... The women are just about doing the same pre-season as the men for half, mm. the, half the result. So eventually, um, and, and I can't put a time frame on it, but eventually they will be full-time athletes. The coaching staff and the medical staff will all be full-time because at the moment most of them are part-time. Right. So, And let's talk about money. Men get paid a lot of money some of the footy teams don't they yep. how do yep. the women how do they stack up when it comes to well they're on a very very strict sort of um collective bargaining agreement at the moment and they are all tiered so there's four tiers in place at the moment mm-hmm. so financially no they're, they're light years away from the men mm-hmm. but the the afl does have an appetite to close that gap but you i, I think you have to close it gently like there's a 
a group of thought that, no, do it straight away and get on with it. But I, I don't think that's fair on the women. Mm. Um, and some women would say, no, do it gently. You know, our captain, for example, Emma Swanson, is a fiery, and she's a very good fiery from what I can gather. So she's building this off-grass career. If you said to her, go full-time football, she's now having to put mm. her off-grass career yeah. into a slamming halt. Mm. And who knows what the fire department might think if she has another three or four years full-time in football. Right. How's that going to affect her going back to be in the fire department, mm. for example? And there's other women the same. You know, we've got lawyers running around and mm. school teachers and all carpenters, apprentices, mm. all like the, there's diversity of career off yeah. the grass. Now, if they were to come to a screaming halt and be full-time, they haven't had a chance to kind of segue away from their career or mm, build their okay. capacity to do that. Yeah. So I don't think you can go yep. straight away. There's a bit more yeah. that has to be worked through. Um, and, and as you say, development of the season yeah. as well, so it's a bit more reflective yeah. of what yeah. the, the AFL itself. Yeah, and because I'm sort of evidence-based in a lot of my, my views, there's no research to show – here's another one of us. <laughs> We've been talking recently <laughs> around what's the optimal season for a woman playing football? And, like, because there's many tiers of it. Like, so AFLW, they get all the expertise they need to support them both in getting ready and if they are injured, the rehab and the prehab and everything. But a second-tier woman doesn't. So mm. if she's aspiring to be there, she doesn't get the same necessarily quality of coaching and medical support. And then the tier below that's even worse. And so it drops off. And yet we are drafting women from Perth Football League, which is amateurs. We're drafting mm. women from the Southwest Football League, which is amateurs. Yeah. So, you know, until we've got them more on the talent pathway and they have been on the women and girls pathway and played a lot more footy and got their bodies used to it and we understand what's optimal for a woman's body in our code, mm -hmm. is it 24 games or is it 18 games or, you know... Until we've got that kind of data, we're throwing darts at the moment, and that mm. too is not fair on the the women. Um, is, is there an acknowledgement then that the, the physical build of a woman and her capacity is less than what a male biologically in the sense of muscle strength? Well, if you're putting them things? up against a male, yes, but within the code, it's, it's getting them used to... Um, the endurance of the game, yeah. mm. the um, getting four bodies falling on top of you when you've lost your footing, when you're trying to change direction, mm. when you're trying to do the Dustin Martin don't argue and you're being <laughs> held by the arm and you're trying to run away and it's like, oop, <laughs> that's not working for me. You know, all of that sort of stuff. There's yeah. In women and, and girls sport around the world, there's just not the same amount of research no. mm. so we're, we're chasing all the time to try and get that evidence so that we aren't putting our women at risk um the afl is doing research at the moment on concussion and acl mm. okay. because just being a woman it doesn't matter what you play like a, a woman did an acl when i was in a yoga class a few years oh. back mm. oh. <laughs> oh truly upset for her but as, as i was, was mm. told well we're at risk any physical activity because of our hip to knee, our Q ratio, 
because our knees aren't necessarily below our hips, whereas men's generally are. So we're at risk in any physical... Oh, that's interesting. With any weight-bearing physical mm. activity, we're more at risk than yeah. men. With concussion, we're more at risk because our, um, our neck muscles haven't really been built up. Yeah. And yeah. our shoulders haven't been built up for sport because, again, we haven't gone through pre-seasons in mm. our codes, mm. you know. Yeah. yeah. I remember in volleyball, I thought it was hilarious once I sort of got to know about um, physiology and biomechanics and stuff a bit more. But I remember one of my coaches, one of the state coaches said, right, you girls, in your day job, I want you wearing these weights around your ankles. And so that was great to build up our legs for leaping high and, you know, doing blocks and spikes over the net. But meanwhile, the the major part that was doing all the hitting of the ball and the setting and the bumping was getting diddly squat. Except, yeah. you know, push-ups on your fingers, which now, now I haven't got any wrist stabilisers because of that, thanks very much. <laughs> that ain't happening but, no. <laughs> but you know what I mean? So it was all, there was no science involved. Mm. And, and I'm not having a crack at my coaches because they were mm. brilliant people and so kind that they were volunteering their time to yeah. coaches. But there was no sports science involved. No, they were working with what they knew. Correct. Yeah. And, and it's not necessarily yeah. the best for having... Uh, an athletic balanced body for the code that you're playing, preparing you for the code Mm, that you're playing. Yeah. 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 Building those bodies Yeah. So we're still doing that with women Mm. because you can't do a strength and conditioning program for the men and go, Mm. oh, we'll do that for the women. But that's what was sort of happening at the beginning. So, yeah. Come so far. What's it like now sitting on the lounge, turning the telly on, watching an AFLW comp? Like, What's it like for you? Oh, I, I still... You know, sometimes I just get goosebumps with mm. what they're doing and how they and p- other people talking about it. Like even my husband, you know, like he knows how passionate I am about football, and and he joins in conversation. He instigates conversation about AFLW now, which he he didn't do at the beginning, because I think you know he's Jen. He was just sort of mm, not sure about this, mm. even though he never had daughters or anything. But um, he joins. He instigates mm. conversations about. He knows. Chelsea Randall. He doesn't even barrack for the Crows, but he knows Chelsea Randall because he has to sit through, you know, (laughs) watching all the AFLW games, whether I've recorded them or watching them live. He sits through them now and he loves it. He's as much an advocate and a a fan as, you know, the most passionate person. So I, I get as much thrill listening to him tell his mates and especially the naysayers Mm. of his mates. And he goes, I don't know why you would think that. They're just fine athletes, and you need to get over comparing their skill set to the men's skill set because we're talking about professional athletes versus semi-professional athletes. And and I'd defy you to say they are having more joy with their football than a lot of what I see or sense in AFL. They don't act entitled. There's a small proportion. You get that everywhere, but they are grateful still. They embrace it still, you know, like. Yeah, so happy to be at the table and yeah. having a go. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Can I ask what your dad thinks? Of it? Is he really into it? Oh, too? he's he avid. Loves it. He, right from the get go, because mm. he, I think he understood that I would have had a crack at it yeah. if I'd been yeah. allowed to, and also um, because he's quite um, well known around his club. Um, I took him to some women's games, and the, the Swan Districts women, when they started up, would get 
dad to the jumper presentations and things like that. Oh, so, so I know. Cool. So they'd invite him. Yeah. So they know who Coops is. Yeah. So, well, he was the original Coops, but then come on. So, yeah. So, you, you know, yes. And that, and I was reading about your, like, competition. But, so you've both got your. It's not that serious. Order of yeah. Australia medals. Yes, and, yes. Um, he, he's got a grandstand, you're after grandstand, but you've got a full cup. Yes, and I've got a full got half cup. A cup. Yes, he shares two things with John <laughs> yeah. Todd, half a grandstand and half a cup oh, well. in Dean Mill. Yeah. Oh, in Dean Mill. And the Dean Mill. Well, oh, I've been to the Dean Mill footy club. I used yes. to do the management up, so I used yes. to ride out there to watch the footy. Yes, so that's you, right. Do you have to get out there and help? Even up the, the tally. Well, I said to Trevor Nisbet one day, look, Nizzy, any chance you could give me, you know, a grandstand here would yeah, be yeah. really good for yeah, my like cause. Yeah. <laughs> and he pointed to the limestone um, terrace that's on one side of um, MRP and he said, what about that one? I said, I'd be very happy with that. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's in the shade. It's near the entrance yeah. gate. <laughs> no problemo. <laughs> just... <laughs> So unofficially, uh, that was yours. So. Just between yeah, Trevor yeah. and I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you get it, actually. Oh, I love it. No, it's love not it. a serious comp, but yeah. It's, it's really, that, that's amazing. It must, like you always say, there's so many other people that, you know, have, have advocated as well, but, mm. you know, and they should get it. But they'll get theirs when they deserve it and you've got yours and you've worked so yeah. hard. Well, um, like... This Sunday at our home game, it's B Melbourne, and I'm taking a Hall of Famer, Charmaine Rogers, who was who was one of those women that mm. helped set up the Women's League yeah. in WA, yeah. who had the guts to do that and yep. has been working across both genders, coached a son, coached a daughter, coached Claremont women. Like, she's done everything, and deservedly so. Mm. She's um, a, a life member of Claremont, um, Inaloo Piranhas and now the WA Footy Commission. That's amazing. So, yeah. And she's a devout eagle. And so yeah. I said, Charmy, you need to come with me. And yeah. so that's basically who I'm going to – that's the kind of person I'm going to be taking to yeah. lunch with me. Not my husband. <laughs> <laughs> but people who I think yeah. deserve that opportunity yeah. to yeah. as a way of thanking them for what they've contributed. Absolutely. Yeah. That's fantastic. And it also, because our chair, Paul Fitzpatrick, will introduce them, He'll be able to give the other people in the room a bit of an education about what she's done for women yeah. and girls football over the years. So to me, it's as much about introducing them to a crowd that don't know yeah. and giving them an understanding. I, I yeah. imagine there's a lot of unrecognised players, oh, so to speak, yeah. behind this whole scenario, yeah. isn't there? Yeah. Administrators, volunteers of all kinds. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not until you start digging that mm. you find yeah. who has contributed and has asked for. No acknowledgement, yeah. no recognition. They just do it because yeah, they love it. the code, yeah. you naysayers. Yeah, <laughs> you know, the code. When you look back now, is there anything that you might have changed or done differently? Yes. That's a very good question though, Shauna. Um, and I have been asked this before. I think to fast track um, more buy-in from my AFL colleagues, mm-hmm. I think I would have lived in Melbourne for maybe two or three years mm-hmm. because it's it's a little bit like that. You can't be what you can't see, out of sight, out of mind. And so I, I could only really badger them when I was in their space. I, I didn't get as much traction just ringing them up, yeah, emailing them, whatever. It was only when I was in the office that I could kind of hold them accountable for things that they were 
meant to be doing or mm-hmm. I felt they needed to be doing or were on was on the strategic plan. So I kind of think if I was in there on a daily basis, yeah. not not so much even my immediate counterparts, the other national managers, they sort of got it pretty quickly. Mm. But it was, you know, like an Andrew Demetrio who had the purse strings. Well, I never got to see him once. You know, even though I was, when I was over there, tried to get meetings with him and I got, had times and days and he would cancel because, you know, that was like small fry stuff yeah. compared to what he was trying to achieve. So I think, and I'm... And I am quite brash now. I don't really care. If your door's open, that means, well, I'll talk to your EA and I'll go in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. You know, mm-hmm. like how hard yeah. can it be to I say like, no I'm to coming me? in. Yeah. So um, it, it was no problem um, when I was live over there. But I think in hindsight, if I'd been there for maybe the first two or yeah. three years, I would have got fast attraction. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Just immersed yourself in the, the real centre. Yeah. Of, and and um, had, you know, louder messengers when yeah. I weren't there. Yeah. Um, to actually fly the flag, yeah. yeah. Yeah, right. Do you have role models? Do you have mentors? Did you have people that you look to as you were moving through all this process to think, oh, I like the way you play, I'm, I'm going to take that on board? Um, well, Brian Cook I always admired and that's why uh, when I was starting to find that, um, and I'm a little bit, I, I suppose I was a little bit impatient, I just thought things would happen just because it was the right thing to do. Yeah. And, you know, I very quickly found that that wasn't the case. And so um, I remember being interviewed for a job, not even in football, and I didn't even necessarily want the job, but it was my boss at the time said, um, we, we need you up here, you, you know, you're capable of being up there. And I went, oh, you know, imposter syndrome, I didn't think I was ready. And mm. you know, yeah. a bit half-hearted about it. And Brian Cook was on the panel and I was pathetic, absolutely pathetic. And it was almost like... I sabotaged myself because I wanted to, because I was kind of, you know, for want of a better word, packing my dacks about what if I did get this job? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. what, uh, how a lot of women do behave if if asked to be in a more senior role or yeah. trying to get a more senior role. And anyway, so Brian Cook was on the panel and bless him, he rang up afterwards and said, I need to take you out to lunch and tell you some things. And he said, yeah, yes, you shot yourself in the foot so many times. You shouldn't have said this and you shouldn't have said that. And and I know what you're capable of because I've been observing you. You would have got that in the blink of an eye. And this is and he gave me some mm. tips and I was very appreciative. And he said, why would you doubt yourself? Mm. You know, and I thought, oh, my God, I didn't realise that yeah. you could observe that I had that skill set or talent or whatever or potential. So when I was starting to find things a bit grim, I rang him and said, oh, I need a bit of help here. Any chance? He went, love to. And at the time he was CEO of Geelong and um, when I was in Melbourne, I'd catch the train down there because you could do a bit of work and it was $11 only. And he'd, <laughs> he'd pick me up from the train station even though the station's only 200 metres from his office. Oh, and I'd say, Cookie, I can walk. It's fine. And he'd go, no, because my library's on the back seat of the car. And he had hardcover books and, and things that were guiding him. So he wanted to share that knowledge yeah. with me. So he'd go, pick a book. So I'd pick a book and then I'd mail it back to him when I'd finished. But whatever the wow. content of the book yeah. was would form the conversations in the future. And he was just so helpful and fantastic. And so seeing how he went about being a CEO, I actually thought, I could be a CEO. Yeah. But then I never applied for any jobs. Or anything. But, Still a chance, but he yeah. was a brilliant mentor. And then my other mentor was the first female AFL commissioner who's like 15, 16 years my junior, Samantha Moston. 
and I didn't even know she was an AFL commissioner. And so this is what how things unfolded. Like I'm working for the AFL and nobody thinks to tell me that we have a female commissioner. So I'm, I don't know, like I was, my husband was away on a footy trip or something. So I'm home alone and I got home from a, a meeting and I thought, oh, I just don't feel like going to bed yet. I'm just going to surf. And Q&A came on the ABC and she was the first person and she was talking about environmental issues and I thought, oh, my God, that woman is so intelligent and so articulate and I love what she had to say. And then so I watched the whole, the rest of the show and at the end they went, and thank you, Samantha Moston, AFL Football Commission. And I just went, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> Here we go again, people not telling me stuff. So I rang up the AFL the next day, one of my colleagues, and said, Samantha Moston, can I have a contact details, please? And why didn't you tell me? Oh, I didn't think it was important. Oh, oh duh. Anyway, um, so I got in touch with her. She responded straight away. We connected up and she became one of the biggest messengers you could have because she was with the decision-making body of the code. Yeah. So I could feed her stuff by phone, email, send a PowerPoint, send a strap plan, send a progress, send her what we needed, what the gaps were, could you advocate for this, whatever. And she would do things like when we had exhibition games, she'd go, right, I'll bring Mike Fitzpatrick, the then chair down. Thank you, could you? Because he won't come down on his own, but if you escort him, he's got no, he can't escape, just hold him in there. (laughs) Or whatever else needed to be done. But I don't think she even realised she was mentoring me. I think it was me informally going, well, I'm going to. The other thing I liked about her was I have a personality trait that kind of judges out loud sometimes. It's not good. <laughs> it's not good. We call that the foot and mouth disease. Yeah, do we? yeah, bad, very poor. Sometimes I get a bit too excited and I just don't stop myself. Sam doesn't do that. She's very um, conscious about not judging people. She gets her evidence um, and she collaborates with people. And she does things that I would like to be able to do so that I learnt a lot mm. about if you're trying to read the tea leaves, Jan, you know, like shut the F up sometimes and just yes. let things yeah. unfold, mm. Mm. let people become a more active listener rather than trying to get barrel in with your yeah. message all the time yep. uh, and let it evolve and see where it takes you yeah. because you might actually go, hmm, actually they're doing some good things. What can we do to piggyback on that rather than go, yes, but you need to do this. Yeah. Yeah. So that's sort of yeah. some of the stuff she taught me without really mm. – it was more me observing mm. her in action mm. rather than her necessarily sitting down and going, lesson number you. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How good to have people like that though, that as you say, you can you yeah. can really pick all those bits that you know yeah. are going to be helpful. And then, and then there's young people. Because I come from a teaching background – I have learnt so much from young people, besides good playlists on my music. Um, <laughs> yeah, they, I actually think we undervalue our young people mm. because they don't have necessarily all the constraints of stereotypes and unconscious bias and stuff. They don't seem to have that. They says say things how it is. They have different mindsets. Mm. They look at life through a different lens. And so... I collaborated a lot with the players to get their perspective on things and what would suit them. And in a way that to me was mentoring me, Mm, mm, you know. So not just evidence gathering but, oh, you know, Daisy Pearce, that's a great idea. Um, 
Chelsea Randall, thank you for sharing that with me. Or, you, you know, yeah. like, yeah. And, and a lot of them taught me um, so much. Mm. I can't even think of specifics really, but. No, That's but you're great. right. We mm. do tend in a way to dismiss the younger. Yeah. Sorry, love. The younger <laughs> yeah, generation. Yeah, we it's, think it's like wisdom of the elders, but, but mm. there's some things we're wise about yeah. that, no, not. And absolutely. as you say, though, in many ways, the younger ones are getting it much more right than we ever did with our generation mm. because they don't have all those, yeah. like you say, you know, preconditioned mm. values or ideals, particularly around where there's big issues with discrimination. Yeah. Yeah. As you say, why on earth are we even talking about a, a player's, you know, sexuality or, uh, yeah. you know, and, and women should be up there with men. Mm. Mm. In everything. On an even footing. Yeah. 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 Oh. Um. We love quotes and we, we change quotes often, but we'd love to know, do you have a quote relevant today? Well, no, not per se, like I can't go blah, blah, blah by Nelson Mandela or whatever, yeah. but it, I, I guess it's just more a message to people is that bravery is not just about being physically brave mm -hmm. you know like to my mind a bungee dump jumper is not brave they're just dead set stupid for wanting their eyeballs <laughs> yeah, to fall out of absolutely. their head and their ankle to rip off their leg agreed uh, but the, i think a marathon runner is kind of brave because i wouldn't mm. want to run for mm. all those hours but it's just being brave you know like i've learned over the the years that what's the absolute worst thing that can happen if you don't go prepared into an interview for a job that you might not even aspire to but would actually be a passionate thing for yeah. you, getting mm. out of bed every day. And so I think bravery comes in many forms and I would just suggest to be braver, mm. Mm. you know, like, and I don't, I don't think women are brave enough sometimes. I think that's one of the barriers mm. to a lot of what we mm. do is ourselves. Um, mm. Yeah. That so, self-sabotage yeah, is a big so thing. Yeah, so be brave. There you go. Wise words. Wise words yeah. from Coops. Be brave. Love it. Yes, and thank you. Thank you for coming on. Um, if you have been affected by any of the topics, then uh, visit the support links below. And we also have links for more show information and to subscribe. Mm. And always remember. Every day. You are remarkable. Remarkable.